everybody, this is Colleen Bachelor, and I'm so excited to be with you today and meet some wonderful new friends of mine. So we have Joshua Berwald, and we have his lovely daughter here with us. And so if both of you could just say hi and just wave to the camera. Hi. Hi. So, and we, we have, now, now what is your name? Now, you, I know you're Elsa for today, but what is your real name? Is it Kalila? Yeah? And so we've been having wonderful time and just getting to know Kalila and her dad and just hearing these great stories. But thank you so much for joining us. And so this is 30 Days of Hope. And the cool thing about this experience is we're actually stepping to the homes of real people who are going through this just like all of us are. So whether we're parents, musicians, authors, artists, we're I'm all I'm together. You are. Interesting. I yeah. Can take off. I can take the day off. Yes. And, so, the and you were saying that you're a big sister, right? Yep. And and you said your mommy has a baby in her tummy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's gonna be fun. So Joshua, what is it like at home right now? I mean, I know you're a stay-at-home dad, and, and a part of this you're really used to, but I'm sure the change has been different to get used to. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, because there's a lot of things going on at the same time for us right now, too. Yeah. Uh, so normally I'm a stay-at-home dad, but normally I have two children here. Okay. Um, my my youngest child, kind of, actually, I was trying to figure out how long it's been. Uh, and it's been almost a month now. Uh, she has why, had... why are we talking about the same thing? <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> Because it's so important that all of us want to hear because you shared your story with me and now we're going to share it with all the people that are watching. We're also watching. Yeah. All kinds of people. Yeah. Wait. You're going to be famous. Not yet. It's got to be, it'll be recorded. <laughs> You'll be famous then. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was, it was tough being a stay-at-home dad before. There was a lot of things. There was, um, you know, so I would drop her off maybe with grandma or a friend. And then I'd spend the day at the hospital, come back and grab her. Uh, Cause she, it worked better for her to have a base at night. So my wife would stay in the hospital and I'd stay here. <laughs> She's just gonna chime in cause four year olds are fun. Um, and, and that was working. And then, and then COVID. Yeah, are we gonna do that later? That's beautiful. Yes, right. Yes. So for, for all the moms and dads watching out there, just, just pick up this. This will keep yeah. your kids busy. They'll love it. Just, we, as soon as we, we heard about, I mean, we're um, pretty tech savvy and pretty news savvy. My wife, and this is another story, but my, my wife up until recently was a social worker. My wife is a social worker. And she can't see down there. I can't. Um. And so, you know, we were pretty, we knew it was going on in the public health world. So we started um, pick, stocking up on like craft stuff. Everybody Dada. else ran for toilet paper Dada. and we ran for Crayola crayons. Oh, I love that, which is smart. That's a great idea. And I, I'm sure there's tons of parents out there that are wishing that they did the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, <laughs> she, as you can see, Probably. Yay. Uh, as you can see, she's yeah, very yeah, excited yeah. to play with this thing. Our biggest concern, obviously, she has a lot of energy. 
and <laughs> she's very inquisitive. Can you see me, Sal? And has a lot of questions. Can you see me, Sal? No, she can't. <laughs> it's gonna be a heck of an interview, kiddo. This is your big debut. <laughs> and let Daddy talk for just a little bit. When we're done, you can pick out whatever toy you want, and we'll play with it. Pick out this toy. Okay, so you gotta, <laughs> you gotta come down a little bit. Okay. okay. Don't feel bad about bribing your kids. I <laughs> love it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was actually the. We were already kind of ready, not ready, not ready for this. Yeah. Nobody's ready for this. Obviously, obviously, but um, we were already like embracing grief. Not her so much, but uh, we were, uh, we were already kind of in, because we'd been doing that, we've been doing this for a year. The first time my daughter went to the hospital, she was six weeks old, I think. Um, and like the super duper short version uh, is that uh, she has a brain malformation that was um, putting pressure on her brain and giving her migraines and she wasn't able to grow. That's very nice. Remember though, you gotta let daddy talk for a little bit, okay? And then we'll play with this if you let daddy talk. Um, she wasn't able to grow. So uh, it basically started as what they call failure to thrive. Um, and it turned into a, a neuro thing. And <clears throat> we've been in and out ever since. And there's a whole long story. We've got a GoFundMe if, if you really want to read the novel of it. Um, but there's a whole long story about all of that, uh, but it culminated in a surgery, which unfortunately led to another surgery. And then that surgery had some side effects that caused another surgery. <laughs> and so uh, they've, my wife hasn't left the hospital grounds in a month. Um, and whereas before I could go visit now, mm. I can't so much. Um, we have, we have, a set of trusted friends um, that we can leave Kalila with occasionally when they're not working. They're both, yeah, they're both still in essential jobs. So, um, so we can sometimes drop her over there for a little bit, but that's about it. Uh, and so that part's hard. And then uh, I'm not sure when this will go out, but probably this will probably go out after Minnesota's in a shelter in place. Because um, the rumor is that it's on its way as of this recording. Uh, and then that'll be it. Mm. Uh, and, and that'll be, again, another form of isolation and, and feeling separated. So yeah. I, I think there's so many people out there that are um, having a hard time, but at least they're with all their family right now. It must be so difficult to feel like half of you is split between one world and the next. Yeah, it it is really, really hard. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you see a lot of, uh, there's a lot of folks who are, who are like, well, you know, let's look at the silver lining, which is true. I'm not, I'm not disparaging that. Everybody needs that. But um, I think, and I'm speaking as uh I identify as a Christian, a pretty progressive one. I think there's a fair amount of folks who would say I wasn't one, but um, 
I, I'm with you on the progressive Christian side. <laughs> um, but I think, I think as a whole, especially progressive Christians, we're really bad at the lament or mm. like taking, like being allowed to have grief and that's still hopeful, like being allowed to embrace that and take it and acknowledge that it exists and you know not not make you know i'm i'm great at the the dark joke about everything that's going on and sometimes that works and other times it's important that we look at what's really going on and the the fact is that this sucks like <laughs> this is not ideal <laughs> Um, it already sucked and now it, it extra sucks. Like, and that's, and that's okay to say, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean I don't have hope. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't think that we're hopefully please going to learn things as a country and as people. Um, I really hope that this opens up a lot of avenues for people whose companies just figured out that, Hey, wait, you can actually work from home. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I hope this is opening up, uh, people being able to see that the system we have in place in the country is not fantastic, especially if you don't have any money. Um, you know, cause we're, we're finding out now, I mean, and I'm, we're among them. Um, we're all living paycheck to paycheck. And when that mm-hmm. paycheck stops, they informed her that either she needed to report to work or she was done working. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously it's not really, it's not really an option and you can't even, we, she, where she is, she can't even really do a work from, you know, home. Uh, cause the Wi-Fi in the hospital is abysmal. Yeah. So they I, let her go last week. <laughs> And yeah, and so this is 30 days of hope, everybody. <laughs> but I, I love that because I think um, well, one of my biggest frustrations, and I think, you know, I'm sure you coming from a progressive Christian background, is the amount of things that I get on my feed saying faith over fear. <laughs> and it's become this mantra of put on the mask, pretend you're okay, and just fake it till you make it. Um, and there's a lot of us that have been changed by this. There's all, all of us are survivors. So whether we're dealing with the virus, whether we're dealing with someone that we know, um, whether we're dealing with the loss of a job, it, it, as you said, it sucks. There's, there's a huge part of this has, that has changed every aspect of our life. Um, and so I think there needs to be a reality of not being afraid to state the obvious. And I think a lot of us are so afraid to quote unquote offend God by being angry, by being frustrated, by being real, um, that we've really minimized God. And we've said that God can't handle our grief, our pain, our cursing, our, <laughs> you know, every part of us that is human. Um, we're trying to guard everybody else, including ourselves, from truly experiencing what we're going through. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's part of hope. Part of hope is, is dealing with the reality and being real with one another. About how this is all affecting us. I don't know where I'd be without cursing. Yeah, I was a progressive Christian and just discovered I could curse again because. 
boy, oh boy. There's been some occasions lately. <laughs> yeah. Like basically every time I turn on the news, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. Here we go again. But the, the faith over fear thing scares me a bit because, well, I mean, gosh, we could spend, we could spend hours unpacking that. But um, the biggest thing to me is what, you know, <clears throat> so you see churches still fighting to have gatherings because, um, well, we're going to wear masks and it's going to be fine. Are we disinfected? It's going to be fine. And, you know, God's in control. I'm like, if God's in control, boy, God has a lot of things to answer for. <laughs> and, and I was, I was, if, if, if you truly, truly are a person who believes that everything that happens happened because God made it happen. And you truly believe that, you know, God's going to protect you or whatever it is that God makes all things occur. Why do you put on a seatbelt? Mm. Like why? <laughs> I mean, really, when you take it to its, its zenith, like why do you get off the couch? But yeah. like, if you, I mean, if you really believe that, why are you putting on a seatbelt? Mm. You know, we all do. Well, most of us do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think even the most deterministic person out there still would protect themselves. And so it's hard to say that it's hard to say that we don't have any responsibility. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, speaking again for Christians, but you know, who knows who this could apply to. This, the sooner we can stop treating our higher power like uh, a genie or a lamp when we get, or, you know, a vending machine, Santa Claus, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, we get on our knees and say, uh, you know, uh, I, I pray for this person, um, you know, that they, that they heal from their wounds or, uh, you know, I, uh, I'd like to pray for the, the homeless people that I see in the streets. Um, but then the next morning when you pass the homeless person and you just drive by, you know, the prayer, you know, we're, we're taking that responsibility and putting it on God and saying, you know, why haven't you fixed this? And, and God looks at us and says, you know, I'm here, I'm here with you. I'm nudging you, but I don't literally, I don't have arms. Yeah. Like you are, you have to be my arms. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and turning that responsibility around on ourselves is really important. And so we have a responsibility to be sheltered in place, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to, to protect other people. You know, the next, the next person my age, 30, who says, well, you know, for, for 30 year olds, it's not that bad. I'm, I, I don't know, smack them. With a <laughs> I'm, I'm not yeah. really into smacking anybody. Like, but but we feel like it sometimes. Yes. Like, ah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I think there's, I think one of the beautiful things that I've noticed throughout this whole entire process is as, as a progressive Christian, I personally have found more hope in people that acknowledge themselves as agnostic, as different faiths, um, compared to my own faith group. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of that has been because it's put all the emphasis on church and none of the emphasis on Christ. 
Um, and so to me, when I look at that as, as a progressive believer per se, and that's and my personal faith, I know people watching this um, come from all different faiths, all different non-faith backgrounds, but there's an action as you were stating to my belief system. There's an action that I feel compelled to do. It's, it's a reaction to be pro-life to every single person out there. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, not, not in March, not in order. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's, it's this beautiful tapestry of recognizing that people might have different belief structures than I do, but all of us have a universal ethical system. And I think it's really encouraging to see people of all different backgrounds truly come together and say, what can I do? How can I help my neighbor down the street? You know, look, we think completely different, but how can I love you? How can I serve you? Um, and to me, that's, that's been something that's encouraged my own faith. It hasn't necessarily been watching a sermon series online. It's been watching humanity take on the feet and hands of what I call God. Well, and that's, um, I saw, and I can't take credit for this. I wish I could, because it's awesome. Um, but I, and I'm going to forget who tweeted it. And so I'm not going to try to ascribe um, the author. Hopefully somebody out there saw this same tweet. It was from a relatively known person, but they were talking about, um, you know, the Old Testament prophets, especially mm -hmm. the minor ones, uh, who would tell the people over and over, uh, I detest your festivals. You know, they're nothing to me because you're not taking care of each other. And so when I see certain uh, figures in our government talking about, wouldn't it be amazing if all this was gone by Easter? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting parallel uh, because God, I don't think God really, really cares if we're all like in a building together on Easter and eating ham. Like, no. <laughs> not sure that God really, is. it's good for us. Like, there's no doubt, like, I love Easter. Don't get me wrong. Like, but um, you, you're basically, the argument would basically be, we should have Easter, even though we could lose 2% of our population. Mm. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, Everybody, I mean, the minor prophets are short. Read all of them talk about this kind of thing. Like, I, I, I detest your sacrifices. I detest your festivals. What I want from you is compassion. Mm. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. And yeah. you know, we've had to be, and it's hard both ends mm -hmm. because we've had to be the recipients of so much compassion over the last sixteen months. Um. You know, we've received, because of course, you know, uh, I'm an American, and so uh, this being America, uh, all of the time we took to, uh, took off of work was unpaid to be in the hospital. So last year, our, our income was basically cut in half. Uh, I, I'm a stay-at-home dad uh, slash wedding DJ, uh, so I would get a few gigs here and there. Obviously, that's not super happen right now. <laughs> not, not a lot of big gatherings. So, um, you know, we, we basically don't have a stream of income. And so we've had to be okay with accepting charity and compassion. And that's especially coming from what I recognize, even though we're going through a really cruddy time, I still have to recognize that I'm 
straight, cis, white, and male. Like I'm still like I'm still in a house. Um, I know my landlord, and my landlord, if I, you know, and I'm if my landlord's watching, I'm not gonna do this. But like if I didn't pay rent for three months, my landlord wouldn't send the sheriff. Mm. We'd be working something out. Um, you know, and I recognize that I'm privileged in that way. And and or even when I when I call if I need services, if I need unemployment, I'm more likely to be able to tell a story, um, tell them everything that's been going on and receive whatever that is. And so even knowing that, even receiving all that compassion and even knowing that we're not in the worst possible position. Um, when I think about there are, you know, the people in prisons right now that are all clumped together because, you know, maybe they had, maybe they had a little bag of weed on them and all of a sudden now they're in a giant percolator of COVID-19. COVID you know, there's definitely positions out there worse than ours. And so as much compassion as we receive, um, it's, it's luckily not a finite thing. You don't receive and then the more you give away, you have less. You receive it and you're able to give it away. Mm -hmm. And you still, in fact, you have more at that point because um, there's a C.S. C.S. Lewis, which, you know, I'm a progressive Christian, so I don't know if I'm supposed to quote C.S. Lewis, but I love him. Um, and he talks about how if you have trouble loving your neighbor, you should just act like you do, and eventually you'll find out that you do. Mm. That's paraphrased, but mm -hmm. you know, he, it's sort of the fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes you have to make yourself be compassionate, and that's okay. And sometimes uh, for people in a position like mine, a position of of at least relative privilege, it's really hard to receive, especially when you are receiving compassion from someone you know who doesn't have the same privilege you do. I I love that you really that you talked about that too because I think that's a very difficult thing for us, as you mentioned, where when you're used to privilege and you realize that in yourself and you're very sensitive to it, it is difficult to receive. I think a lot of us right now are looking for how do we give it away? What what can I do to care for others? What how can I love my neighbor? but it starts with, am I able to receive? Am I able to actually be in a position of reception? Um, and it's, it's been a lot. It's been, you know, I look at what's happened with business, what's happened with, I'm in a high risk category when it comes to health and am I willing to receive? Am I willing to actually accept that compassion and, and that patience and give it to myself? And that's what I've noticed for me. In order for me to receive it from other people, I have to give it to myself first and say, okay, I can give myself a break today. I can you know, allow myself, as we talked before, where it's like, I can forgive myself for cursing. I can, <laughs> you know, ha have those moments of humanity and relish in that and say, yes, I'm human. I'm okay with this being a part of who I am. And then give myself grace for the moment, for the journey. Oh, boy, if there's something that we could all work on, right? Mm -hmm. No, we're, it's for some, and it, I think it totally depends on personality types, but especially the type of personality that that's like a pastoral. Um, I, I have, I have that. I I've tried repeatedly to get to seminary and something always stops me, usually money. Um, so I'm not officially in seminary, but that's how we became friends because basically every time I'm friends with a few theologians and then every time my, my Facebook is like, Hey, you might know this person. And I open up their page and it says, you know, seminary or pastor pastor of i'm like yep we're gonna be friends that's basically my seminary at this point is, yeah. is my friend's facebook feed 
and all the books I can I can read while a four year old is is hanging on my back. So um, that's my that's my seminary. And those of us in that category, which is basically most of my Facebook feed, um, we all really 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 stink at taking care of ourselves. I mean, even when we think we're good at it, mm -hmm. a lot of times we're not because we're not wired that way. No. And we no. need people in our lives, other pastors who can help us because mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not our first instinct mm -hmm. to, to self-care. Um, like I have to actively do it. Yeah. Um, like if I didn't, when I wake up in the morning, I gave myself a couple of days when, this, uh, when the quarantine started. I gave myself a couple of days of sweats and I watched an inordinate amount of Mickey Mouse with my daughter and didn't really move. And I just kind of let my, you know, didn't, I didn't eat much. And when I did, it was like Oreos. Um, and I gave myself a couple of days and I tried really hard not to judge myself for it because I knew mm -hmm. I needed it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, maybe in, for some folks out there, they need more or less of that. Um, I don't know. But for yeah. me, it was a couple of days. And now when I wake up in the morning, I have to start my coffee. I got to make my smoothie. I like, I have to do the things. I have to like shower and get dressed, even if I'm not going to leave the house. Um, and for me, that's been the only way I can like attack, attack the world. Um, but that's, that's my self-care, you know, it might look yeah. different for, it definitely looks different for other people, but yeah. um, you know, the days that, the days that I'm in sweats with the hair, all crazy, not that it's not now, but like, you can't get a haircut now, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> all, all of us are going to look very interesting as we give, give each other haircuts and YouTube videos. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of the bowl cut coming back, you know, <laughs> my mom used to give me the buzz. Yeah. <laughs> I don't th I think it works for a seven-year-old me. I don't think it works for 33-year-old me so well. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's those kind of things. And yeah. um, this is going to be a really hard time mm. for the ministry, pastoral, um, you know, whatever your tradition wants to call that, even if um, you're, uh, if someone's an atheist or, or doesn't believe in a higher power, like you still can have a pastoral personality. Mm -hmm all of those folks are going to have to figure out how to pastor themselves because we're not going to see anybody. Yeah. We can, you know, I FaceTime with my, my good friend, um, over coffee and that's great, but you know, I can't embrace my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even, I mean, right now I can't even embrace all of my family. Mm -hmm. So we have to be, we have to be watching out for ourselves and, and realize that it's not selfish. And especially if we're gifted in compassion, if we're gifted in being the kind of people who could never become billionaires because basically any extra money we have goes to other people. Um, <clears throat> if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not able to take care of other people. Yeah, I, I definitely learned that. Um, one of the things that, I, that I've been learning through the process is, it's very easy for me to have grace on other people. But when I, when I have grace on myself, when I take that time to say, okay, I am self-caring. It's just, it's an abundance that just comes out. But as you were talking about, it's, it's learning to love others in a new way. You know, you can't embrace, you can't hug, you can't do what you're used to doing. 
but it's also learning to love yourself in a different way. And there's this newness about it that's refreshing and scary as heck, <laughs> all in the same breath. Um, but I know every single person watching, and I love the fact that you talk about the idea of pastoral, because it truly is a personality gifting. It's not really tied to a religious sect or a certain faith group. It's this idea of desiring to care for and have compassion and very outward focused. Um, and for all those watching, take time. Yes, be innovative, be creative, but also make sure that you're filling your cup first before you, you pour it out. Your cup is supposed to overflow, not yes. get dumped out. You know, so that's the idea anyway. And it's, this situation is so weird and different. You know, like the last time, there's nobody, I don't think, well, there's probably one or two, but there's not very many people who were alive in 1918, which is the last mm -hmm. time something like this really happened. And it's a totally different world, obviously. You know, 102 years later, um, a lot of things are different, like that this is happening. You know, that wasn't possible before, but it's also for at least two generations, if not three, we've never had an event like this where we are watching the world change. I'm trying to figure, I've been I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. So like 9-11, right, for my generation, I was in ninth grade and the world changed like that. Like one, like it was, it was nine in the morning and everything was normal. And it was 9.09 and everything had changed. Mm -hmm. And, but it happened in an instant. Whereas this one, we're like slowly seeing that the world is going to be, and we're all like, what is the world going to be like when this is over? Yeah. And that's a really weird and new experience to experience in like slow. Yes. Time. It, it's like watching 9.11 happen over and over <laughs> and over and over. Yeah. And what it does to you psychologically and emotionally is daunting it's exhausting so to constantly be in that state of not being able to escape the reality that you're in right now yeah and and you know you can climb up the walls like you can go totally bananas and especially if you let your thoughts spiral um <clears throat> my wife has anxiety which you know mm -hmm. great time would be to have anxiety um our joke because we diffuse with humor a lot our joke is that you know, I I'm, uh, I take medication for depression. She takes medication for anxiety. And so when she's, you know, if, if something's going on, she gets really agitated and I just want to go to sleep. So it's a really weird kind of situation because we have the exact opposite uh, reactions to like really yeah. horrifying things. Is like, if it was up to me, I would just hibernate until this I, is over. I, I'm making a turning into show. <gasps> Nice. I can turn into stuff with this. Okay. Yeah, she uses her. We got her a bunch of temporary tattoos, and when she pushes on the mermaid, it turns into her, her into a mermaid. Oh. I, you, like, have you have you thought about what it's gonna be like for them? Yeah. Like, not not in the moment, but like, how are they gonna look back on this? It's. I think it's really going to affect this generation. It's really going to be a changing point. I do, they were talking about how there's, there's generations right now, but also this generation that's younger is more known as generation alpha. Um, it's going to affect them a lot. So just to see how they interact with the world. Um, are they going to be growing up in ideas where it's like, they're not going to have face-to-face -face interaction with companies? Are the majority of companies going to go virtual? What is their college experience going to look like when it's mostly online? 
I mean, millennials were known to travel the world and put money into that. What is this next generation going to invest in? Right. So it's different. It's going to be a, diff a very different world for them. I think in a sense, you know, when you look at the next generation, I think one, they'll actually be more empathetic and more compassionate than we have been because, you know, we're in the age group of, of fighting for equality. We're fighting for inclusion. We're fighting for diversity. If more things go online, your daughter is going to be part of a generation that diversity is just innate. When we live in the idea of hope and, and 30 days of hope in general, there's, there's always this dichotomy of dwelling in the past, the present, and the future. And I think all different aspects need to be acknowledged for us to go through this process. But I love the fact of looking at the next generation and thinking it really will be a hopeful context for them where diversify, diversity is normative for them. Um, having this idea of inclusion is normative for them. So it's, it, they're, they're not going to have this idea of tokenism. They're going to have this idea of inclusionary and collaborative you know, experience um, that's going to be so different than, than what millennials are fighting against. They truly will just have this togetherness and this parallel, this parallel experience. So, well, this, this has been a wonderful conversation. And seriously, it's been so encouraging to me. Um, and I think just talking about the idea of, of progressive Christianity has been life-giving to me to realize that, okay, yes, we're all in this together. We might see from different perspectives, um, but we're walking through this with reason. We're walking through this with rationality um, and care for our neighbors, regardless of color, creed, doctrine, culture. Um, it's this extension of just love from our own faith towards every single person. So without strings attached. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for refreshing us with this wonderful word and for just sharing part of your journey with us.